0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey guys, what is up? Welcome back to the Pitch Not So Perfect podcast. If you're new here, I'm your host, Jordan Dale, and you're definitely not going to want to miss this episode. But first, let's just run through a few things coming up for me because I'm really excited and cannot wait to share Um, as you all know, season is officially starting, so if you're listening to this on the day that it's released, then I'm currently on the way to California for our first weekend of season. Um, I seriously cannot believe what a journey it's been. Uh, definitely can't even believe that I'm on my way to my last first weekend of season ever, but, um, I'm about to run through our schedule for this weekend so you guys can kind of stay updated, tune in, and keep up with, like, what's going on. Um, let me pull that up really quick. Uh, let's see. Game one is February 10th at 5.30 West Coast time. Um, it's against Ole Miss. Bree Roper, if you're listening, I'm super excited to see you. Uh, for those of you that don't know, I played in the Florida Gulf Coast League this past summer. It's a summer league for college softball players, and I was on the Bradenton Slice team. Seriously, best summer of my entire life. So much fun. Um, but Bree was on my team, and she was originally at Georgia Tech, but she just transferred to Ole Miss for her fifth year. Uh, super excited for her. I know she's going to do great things this year, but preferably not against us this weekend. Um, but anyways, uh, that game is at 530. Um, it's in Fullerton, California. You can listen in on KWVA uh, 88.1 FM. I believe it's I don't know. You can also keep up with us on the Oregon Softball Twitter account. I don't really know much about her. Radio and everything, but you can listen to it there as well. Um, I also know sometimes parents will do like live streams for us um, at the games that we have that are like not on TV during preseason. Sometimes they're even on Twitch. I don't really know if anybody will do that this weekend, but. Shay's mom used to do that for us a lot, and she graduated last year, but if there is a live stream link, I'll be sure to post it on my Instagram story for y'all to click on, so make sure to follow me on Instagram, at Forever Jordan, with two N's, and keep an eye out for that, I guess, but next on the schedule, we have two games on Friday, February 11th, against CSUN, I believe that's Cal State Northridge, um, sorry, I know it's my fourth year out here on the West Coast, but I'm an East Coast kid at heart, and I still barely know anything about the West Coast schools. So uh, we play CSUN at CSUN um, at 1 o'clock and 3 o'clock, both West Coast time. You can watch these games on ESPN+. Uh, you can listen to them on that same radio station, 88.1 FM, KWVA, or check out the Oregon Softball Twitter page for updates. Uh, last on our schedule for the weekend are two games on Saturday against UC San Diego at 9 a.m., and LMU at 11:30 a.m. Both of these games are in L.A. I'm pretty sure they're at UCLA. Uh, you can listen in on these games with KWVA 88.1 or stay updated through the Oregon softball Twitter page. After those five games, we're then heading home. Uh, we'll get back Saturday evening and then have a nice little day off on Sunday before we get rolling again on Monday. Very excited for this year's team to play with the girls that I've been with since day one of my Oregon softball journey. Um, the girls that have joined along the way and even the new little freshies and transfers from this year and our new coaching staff, uh, we have a lot of talent and a lot of depth this year. I'm excited for y'all to check us out and see what we got going on. Um, we have, let's see, six pitchers on the staff. That's the most we've ever had all with their own style pitches, speeds, everything a lot different than my first year. If you guys were there for that. Um, which we'll of course get into in a minute here, but you're going to see a lot of different looks in the circle this year and it's going to be great. Um, you know, and I've, I've loved watching what coach martyr has done for our hitters just in the short time that she's been here in the fall and winter you know, they've, they've grown so much and they challenge our pitching staff and practice each and every day. It's been really fun to kind of see that competition go on between both sides of the ball, but Coach Reagan and Coach Liss have our defense doing some crazy stuff, making really cool plays too. I get so excited watching them practice. They're having fun and they've been working hard, and you can most definitely see it. Um, but for those of you that don't know Coach Liss, or as basically everyone else knows her, Alyssa Palomino Cardoza, uh, she played at the University of Arizona. Honestly, one of the best left-handed hitters I have ever paid uh, ever faced. Um, she now plays for the U.S.A. Pride with Haley Cruz. And I actually got to play against both of them this summer in a three game series when I made the all star team of that summer league. So I was um, pretty excited about that. And it was a pretty cool experience. But she's awesome and she's helped this team a ton. We love having her around with her experience, her knowledge, even her energy, you know. And Coach Reagan, who many Oregon fans know as Nikki Udria, um, she played at Oregon as, and was an All American, All Pac 12 shortstop all of that stuff she was even drafted to play in the NPF um after her senior season so she's pretty legit and she pushes our defense and I love watching her coach she's super fun to be around but enough about this upcoming season we'll be getting into that a lot more later on in some future episodes this episode's definitely supposed to be about the year I guess as I would call it 2019 uh, I was my first year at Oregon so let's pick up where we left off at um So January 1st of 2019, uh, I had hopped into that car with my mom and drove all the way across the country to move into a nice little townhouse right down the street from Jane Sanders Stadium. You know, like I mentioned in the last episode, I was nervous, but definitely excited. Um, That's definitely a long drive, to say the least, Uh, one that I would end up making two more times throughout my last four years here, but totally worth it. Got to see some really cool cities, really cool places. Definitely recommend doing it at least once in your life. Uh, really, really fun. But um, as you remember from the previous episode, when I decided to transfer, I wasn't really in a great place mentally. Um, I had lost my confidence. I felt like I just wasn't good enough to play anywhere, like anywhere anymore. But, you know, I refused to give up. And when Coach Lombardi had reached out and wanted me, of all people on her team, it was kind of impossible to say no. Like, I just had this feeling and I, I couldn't really describe it, but I knew this was where I needed to be at. So, Let's kind of rewind a little bit first so you can get an idea as to where exactly my head was at as I was heading out to Oregon. So when I committed to Oregon, there were already two very good pitchers on the staff, um, but they needed a third and that was supposed to be me. Um, you know, we play 50, 60 games in a season. You need as many arms as you can get. So that third arm was supposed to be me. And like I said, I had struggled through some things mentally throughout my last couple months at Virginia Tech. So in my head, I was like, you know what? Okay, cool. This gives me a chance to learn from the best pitching coach and also play and learn from two very, very good pitchers. Um, They were older. They had experience in the Pac-12. They had found success in the Pac-12. And, you know, them along with Coach Lombardi and Coach Lang were going to help me get back to normal. And it kind of gave me some leeway and time to kind of find that mojo again that I had lost and um this mojo uh was something that kind of made me me as a pitcher Um, i talk about this a lot with um, a lot of the girls that i give lessons to and stuff but um, like i've mentioned before i never have been a big tall pitcher you know where i found the most success was grow um at least growing up was through my confidence my demeanor on the mound my work ethic you know in the weight room and in the bullpen having great mechanics and using my body to its absolute fullest, so I could throw as hard as the bigger girls. My demeanor and my confidence were what set me apart from the rest. At least that's what I always believed, and they were me. They made me who I was, and without that, I wasn't really anything you know, in my mind. So when I lost those two things that fall, um, that's kind of why I felt so down, and I just felt so helpless. I remember in the weeks leading up to my departure, I was throwing with my dad in my old high school gym. I was struggling still, and it was getting to me. I... I remember throwing my glove off, dropping to the floor in tears and looking at my dad sitting on his bucket with his shin guards on and yelling out, you know, I I can't do this. Like Coach Lombardi made a mistake when she picked me. I can't help her. How am I supposed to compete in the Pac-12 and help this team when I look like this? Um, You know, like I just kept saying, like, Dad, like she made a mistake. She made a mistake. And you know, here I am in the high school where I had known so much success—multiple state records, my name was engraved in multiple school records, two state championships, all of it—and I'm sitting there in the middle of all of this on the floor crying. And it was like I didn't know who I was. Uh, I'm sure that moment definitely broke my dad's heart a little, but he never would have let me know. You know, he he just simply replied, "No, she didn't." You know, he was like, "Coach Lombardi knows what she's doing, Jordan." And She knows how good you are and how great you can be. You know, she's going to get you back right in no time. You just have to trust that. And he just kept saying, you know, you're going to be all right. It's going to be okay. She didn't make a mistake. She wouldn't have recruited you if she didn't think you could do it. And me being as stubborn as I am, um, I didn't want to believe him. um, But I deep down, I kind of knew he was right. I mean, he had to be like he, he absolutely had to be right. Like there was no other way for me to really think of it as far as at least it making sense to me. So I eventually believed him, got back up and started drawing again. So a couple days after I committed, um, one of the two pitchers that was there decided to transfer. I'd like to say I was shocked, but with the previous transfers already happening that year, I wasn't as shocked as you'd probably think I'd be, but I did hit the panic button just a little bit because now it was just me and one other girl and she was really good. She could take the lead and I would have to hurry and get back to normal to help her out. Of course. Um, But, still I was a little bit of a panic button but plus a couple weeks later Coach Lombardi brought in another transfer pitcher so now there were three of us again so I was like you know what it's gonna work out we're good there's no need to hit the panic button we're good I didn't know anything about this other transfer but you know she sounded legit at least on paper so I was like we're good we're good and so fast forward I arrive in Oregon my mom helps me move in and now it's go time um we start practicing and I was taking in literally everything the coach was saying i could see myself getting back to normal and pretty quickly too i mean i feel like i it just i started to feel like me again and it was giving me hope so uh we had a team bonding trip scheduled for an upcoming weekend and when it came time to go we noticed something was kind of off um there were only two pitchers on the trip uh me and the other transfer so it soon came to light of course that um That other pitcher that was missing, uh, she was now transferring too. So now it was up to me and this other transfer girl to get it done. Um, But I was in a better place mentally. I was feeling more like myself again and throwing so much better too. I'd be lying if I said like I still wasn't hitting the panic button just a little bit. But at this point, like season was like one or two weeks away. So I didn't really have time to hit that panic button. You know, that fight or flight response that like everyone talks about. Well, mine kind of kicked in and I chose fight. Uh, I believed in Coach Lombardi and I believed in the girls in this team, even with how young we all were, um, you know, I had to fight for them. I needed to. And so that's what I did. So we started out season with a bang. Uh, as most of you know, I think we went like nine and oh or something to start the season and no one. And I mean, absolutely no one in the softball world thought we were going to do such a thing with so many girls that had left such a young team and small roster and numbers and two pitchers, you know, which eventually became one after the other transfer pitcher eventually chose to leave the team at the end of March because she didn't want to play softball anymore. But we were fighting and we were putting up a hell of a fight, too. I mean, I feel like a lot of that year was a blur to me because after such a hot start, we eventually started to struggle. Um, it was kind of inevitable, right? I guess, you know, you have young a young team, one pitcher, three to four games every week. I mean, it was exhausting. But my fight or flight response was so high that year that... I didn't even feel the wear and like the toll that it was taking on me on like my body or even mentally until probably about halfway through the first or halfway through that season. Um, I, we had beaten teams like LSU, Mississippi State, Texas A&M. We went a whole weekend. Um, when was it? I think it was the Cal weekend. I went the whole weekend without giving up a single run to Cal. I struck out like 21 or something, um, did the same thing at Missouri. Um, and I think three games that I pitched and even upset the number one team in the nation at the time, UCLA, in our opening game of that series against them. I had 12 strikeouts. Um, they definitely weren't all pretty wins. Uh, some we had to absolutely kick, scratch, scream, and bite for, but we were doing it, and, and it took a toll. Uh, I vividly remember the midweek series that I finally started to feel that toll, and it was against um, Portland State. And naturally, you know, as a Pac-12 team, most people would assume it's an easy two wins against a team right up the road from us. That was not a power five. But I will say Portland State is good. To this day, they are a good scrappy team. And anytime you play a team up the road from you as a power five, you have to know they are going to absolutely bring their best game against you because you're supposed to be the big dog and they're supposed to be the little dog. And the key word in all of this is supposed to be. <laughs> but first inning of that game, first game against them I was hitting my usual mid 60s you know 64 to 67 on the radar or so but the second inning all of a sudden I was hitting 60 to 62 and I didn't feel tired it was weird it was it was just really really weird and I remember my ball stopped moving it was like I had no idea what was going on like they were hitting balls hard off of me and it was a rough game like we barely won and I remember talking to coach Lombardi in between games that night trying to figure out how to go about the next game, because it was clear I had hit a wall. Whether I felt it or not quite yet, I had definitely hit a wall. And unfortunately that wall kind of remained for the rest of the season. Um, I will add that after the other transfer pitcher had officially quit and it was just me, we did have some help from a girl who joined the team that was a regular student who played softball in high school. We had Haley Cruz as a pitcher and Rachel Sid in the circle. And yes, I said Haley Cruz and Rachel Sid. all of them they didn't get many innings, of course, because they were kind of sort of our best, like third baseman and center fielder, obviously. But I appreciated the one to two innings they were able to give me off more than they could ever know. Like even if they weren't the prettiest, it helped me at least get a little bit of a break. And that was that was kind of what I needed, any chance I could get that year. But the Pac-12 is one of the best conferences in the country. I mean, it is a grind week in and week out on the softball field. So, I'm going to try and explain this in a way that most might understand so you can really see how difficult this year was mentally and physically on everyone, but we'll see if you get it. Um everyone knows football, right? So, if not, you still might not understand, but whatever. So, imagine you're the quarterback. You have a few receivers you can throw to, of course. You have a couple running backs, tight ends, all that stuff. You have multiple players you can give the ball off to to try and score. Now, to relate this to softball in our situation that year, imagine that the quarterback is Coach Lombardi. Now, imagine me as a wide receiver. I'm the only wide receiver on the team. We have no running backs, we have no tight ends, and absolutely no other receivers, okay? So in the first quarter, we're doing pretty good. I'm athletic enough to beat my defenders, catch the ball, my team is helping me get open, they're literally working their butts off for me so I can get open, and they're saving my butt, and we're making it work. But it's wearing me out, obviously. And by the second quarter, it's hard to keep going and running the same play over and over again without getting tired. It eventually becomes more difficult to catch the ball. Um, So at halftime, the other team talks and they realize we only have one play, and that play is to throw to me. So in the third quarter, they start double teaming me, they're eating me up, and I, I just can't get open. I'm exhausted, I'm having to work harder to try and get open but like it's it's nearly impossible. So no matter how great of a pass Coach Lombardi throws to me and no matter how hard my team tries to get me open, I simply cannot catch the ball. It's impossible. So we just completely stop scoring and we lose the game because of this. And that is kind of what that first year was like. It worked at first, you know, because everyone was not expecting us to just, you know, do the same thing over and over again, but by halftime or halfway through the season for us, we were all exhausted. And by the end of the year, it was like we literally had no shot. And everyone knew who was pitching for us. It was me. There were hundreds, and I mean hundreds of innings of film on me. And my poor team was just as exhausted trying to help me get open or trying to defend the hits I'd give up or the walks I would have by then. Um, It was frustrating. And as a teammate in that situation, I can only imagine how frustrated they must have been when it's like you're stuck with one play or one pitcher and it's not working anymore. She's exhausted, but you have no choice and you're exhausted, but you literally have no choice. Um, so as a coach, you know, it had to have been frustrating to only have one option. And for me, the receiver, it was isolating at times. I felt like I was letting them down. Um, I was letting coach down. I was letting our fans down. I just couldn't catch the ball every time. And with being that isolating feeling of, You know, being the only option, the only one, it was beyond lonely at times. I mean, I sometimes felt like I had no one to talk to because no one really understood the feelings I had out there. You know, the pain that I was in at times, knowing that my best was only at 50% on a good day by that point. And it was heartbreaking. But I was blessed, you know, because they never let it show. You know, I will say this until I am blue in the face, but I had the best teammates ever that year. They told me every day, every inning, every pitch, you know, I got your back. I fight, you fight. It was it was like us versus the world, quite literally at that point, considering, you know, the talk about our team and the situation we had faced all year that was going on. I mean, it literally was us, and then there was the rest of y'all. And, you know, I loved it. It gave me purpose. It gave me more grit than I ever even thought I had. And despite how draining it was physically and mentally, like, my teammates made it easy limp out into that circle and go to war for them because they say only a fool fights a war. They know they can't win. But, you know, I beg to differ, I guess, Uh, because we never really believed that we couldn't win. We knew the reality of our situation. We weren't idiots, but we didn't care. And I fought and believed because they fought and they believed and they fought and believed in me because I fought and believed in them. And I will never, ever, ever forget that year. As long as I live without it, I wouldn't be who I am today none of us would be. Um, That fight and that fearlessness um, became like a huge part of this team's culture under that Coach Lombardi era. And it kind of set us up for what's to come. So that is kind of all I have for today. So until next time, Ducks, I will see you guys next week. And thank you for listening in.